Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Well, it is markup day in the House Ag Committee for their Farm Bill proposal. Looking at some of the comments from the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway, he says he's sought in good faith to work with the ranking member in the committee, that, of course, being Colin Peterson from Minnesota, on the development of this bill. By and large, he says the bill before the committee is a reflection of those efforts and of our work to uh, develop this bill. But he goes on to say, I sincerely regret that our discussions ultimately did not bear fruit relative to the nutrition title, as we've talked about. That is the big uh, debate. That is the big point of disconnect in this bill. And uh, Chairman Conway goes on to say, I know we will have a full debate on SNAP, especially on the question of whether able-bodied people, um, and this is the uh, this is the real point of uh, contention here, whether or not able-bodied adults should work or train for work for 20 hours per week. He says, and this is interesting, I would have liked to have had these discussions over the last month in order to try and reach some accord, but discussions were halted. And we heard uh, Colin Peterson tell us uh, uh, just the other day that he had not talked with Chairman Conaway in a month. So um, Chairman Conaway went on to say, I crafted a budget-neutral nutrition title that I believe not only keeps faith with SNAP benefits, but goes a step further by offering the hope of a job and a skill and a better future for themselves and their families. So that's how the stage is set for the markup today. Not many amendments are expected. It could go rather quickly, as we heard uh, Congressman Rick Crawford say yesterday. Probably will be done today. So we'll see how it goes. And then when it goes to the floor, will there be more amendments added then? And then uh, will they be able to get the votes to pass it on the House floor? We shall see. In other news, President Trump backs away from a possible re-entry into TPP just when some uh, hopes were kind of building that uh, that could be a possibility. Now it doesn't seem nearly as much of a possibility. But on the um, on a brighter note, on trade, Japan opens up to U.S. ethanol. And, of course, the uh, very serious situation continues in Oklahoma's fires continue to cause great damage there. Later in our program today, we're going to talk with the Director of Communications for the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, get an update on the situation there and their needs and how uh, you can help with donations. So that's coming up later in the program. Joining me now, though, is Todd Neely with DTN. Todd, another busy day in the news. Yeah, never ceases to be exciting, does it? Lots going on. Let's let's yeah. focus on this on this uh, renewable fuels issue. We got two things going here. Uh, we're learning right. more and more about the waivers that have been granted by EPA EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt. Though, what's the latest that we have on that? Well, you know, Mike, it's still kind of a it's kind of an open ended question at this point. Um, you know, we're at a we're at a point now where we've got a group of thirteen senators led by Senator Charles Grassley of Iowa. Uh, yesterday, they wrote a, a scathing letter to Pruitt um, at EPA, uh, kind of asking for some information about all these waivers and, and asking him to stop. Um, 
I think the thing that's most concerning at this point is the lack of transparency. I mean, you're not hearing a lot of details about who these companies are. Um, you know, you get bits and pieces. We've heard uh, a number of, of uh, stories coming out about how uh, some of the, the waivers were issued to larger companies. Um, New York Times just last week had a had a piece about um, how Chevron and Exxon had both asked for waivers for 2018, and as you know, those are two very large oil companies, um, very profitable. And so we're at a point here now where I think, uh, you know, Grassley and others are trying to get a handle on this, trying to get EPA to, to stop issuing They're uh, planning more waivers. I, I think, um, you know, lawmakers want to know why, you know, they want to know the details of why there's hardships involved. Todd, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, all these waivers that have been granted, um, should we have known or did we not think to ask or look into it or was it just not available, that information? How did this go by without anyone really noticing it? Well, you know, I think since the RFS started, um, you know, initially there were a number of small refiners who were getting waivers, you know, in the early years of the RFS. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of knew about the program. Um you know, it was always assumed that uh, because it's in law, uh, you know, those implementing the program are going to take a hard look at, you know, whether companies fit that profile of, you know, of, of a qualifying for waivers. Um, I think it really hit the headlines recently, mostly because uh, EPA quit providing information, not telling uh, news media and others about who these companies were. Uh, you know why the waivers are being issued, and you know it's kind of this kind of this thing going on behind the scenes that uh, the number, you know, the sheer volume of the waivers I think has uh, has risen dramatically. I just just from the bits of information we've been able to glean, um, you know, like I said early on in the first five years of the RFS, I mean there was a number, probably upwards of 60 small refineries uh, that had received waivers in the early years, and so then it was kind of forgotten from there because. EPA kind of backed off the pedal, so to speak, and uh, it wasn't until these past few years is when it, um, you know, one no one was really paying attention to the program, I guess, and uh, lo and behold, it's been it's been used in such a way that, um, you know, leaves a lot of questions, I guess. Yeah, we're paying attention now, and we'll see if the yeah. pressure from uh, the senators will have any impact on the White House and on EPA. All right, the 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 story about Japan opening up to U.S. ethanol, how significant right. is that? That's huge. Um, you know, when you look at the top ten countries that import U.S. corn-based ethanol, uh, Japan was nowhere on the list. And uh, just based on the 2017 numbers alone, um, if Japan imports what, about 96 million gallons, which could happen, um, that would put them as the fourth largest importer of U.S. ethanol. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of trade issues going on. You know, we've heard about the TPP possibly, United States getting back into that. Um, so I, I think that may be part of kind of the bigger picture. But, you know, at this point, I mean, having another 95 million gallons uh, of demand is always a good thing. And I think if you ask anybody in the ethanol industry, they'll say, however we can get the gallons, we'll take it. Yeah, so hopefully uh, that's a bright uh, story there because we know that the situation with China and the tariffs, that's uh, hurting uh, our our exporting of ethanol into that market. So 
maybe that can this can ease some of that concern as we work through those issues as well. All right, Todd, uh, we'll stay in touch. Uh, no shortage of news, okay. that's for sure. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. All right. Todd Neely with DTN. Coming up on our program today, we're going to talk, as I mentioned, about the Oklahoma situation with the fires. We'll talk with the Director of Communications for the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Also coming up, uh, we're going to take a look at uh, nutrient management efforts by farmers. A lot of uh, good work going on. Uh, They're starting to pull that data together. We're going to talk with the uh, Nutrient Loss Manager for the Illinois Corn Growers Association a little bit later. But coming up next, back on the trade front. We talked about it, these deposits that uh, China is going to put on uh, U.S. sorghum. We're going to talk with the Legislative Committee Chair for the National Sorghum Producers about this issue and more. That's coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening the American Ag Network. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing my home state of Minnesota, I have a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial.
limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We're going to try to sort through this uh, situation with China and the U.S. on sorghum. We've got a lot of different uh, levels to all this with different uh, commodities, but we're going to focus on sorghum here. Joining us now is Dan Atkinson, Legislative Committee Chair for the National Sorghum Producers. Dan, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on this morning, Mike. Okay, so it gets a little confusing. We, we talk a lot about tariffs. Now we're talking about a deposit required of, uh, to move uh, U.S. sorghum into China based on this uh, preliminary anti-dumping determination issued by China's Ministry of Commerce. Uh, try to break this down and explain this to us, how this works. Well, as, as best that I can understand, they've placed a, a 178.6% duty uh, on U.S. sorghum. So any sorghum that's going to enter the country will have to place that deposit down to enter the country. So we actually have boats in transit and boats at port uh, that will be subject to that duty currently. So those in port already will will be subject to that? It, they're not grandfathered in or anything? No, that was the, the news that we heard this morning uh, from the grain trade was that uh, there were there are a uh, number of boats in transit and boats in, in the port that uh, will be subject to that fee. Okay, so China claims that U.S. sorghum is being dumped into their into their market. Is this is there anything to this, or is just is this just retaliation or or payback for uh, what's going on between the U.S. and China right now in other areas? Well, I, I will say that the the the, the dumping case uh, is completely frivolous. Uh, there, there's no there is no substantial evidence that, uh, that there was any sort of dumped into the country. Um, you know, here in the United States, you know, we, we produce a quality product, and it was a, a product that the Chinese were willing to pay a premium for, uh, and were happy to do business with us. So, uh, you know, the case itself is unsubstantiated, and, and, and we believe unfair. So you believe that U.S. sorghum growers are, are paying the price for a bigger trade dispute between the two countries? Uh, yes, and we've been told that from the very beginning of this case that, that sorghum is somewhat the, the tip of the spear when it comes to trade negotiations. Um, so, you know, we are t- there of these uh, trade issues thus far. Obviously, anytime you're talking about China, it is a big market with that huge population. How? How big a market is it for U.S. sorghum when we look at uh, the business that we we do there usually? Well, we just re- reached a benchmark. Uh, U.S. sorghum had exported 1 billion bushels uh, of, of our product into China uh, from 2013 to present. So it, it's been a large export market to us. 60% of our crop last year went into China. So it is a, it, it's a large marketplace for us. Now, of course, you've had some bumps in the road in developing that market already. There have been There had already been some issues concerning sorghum. Uh, yeah, actually, you know, trade trade went relatively smooth. Of course, with any kind of export market, there's going to be some wrinkles to iron out, but uh, it, it's been a win-win situation, uh, you know, for both parties. 
So this tariff now, this duty, this 178.6%, um, how, how do you see that impacting our sales into China? Obviously, it's going to make us less competitive, much less competitive with other uh, producers. Uh, yeah, it's going to effectively just shut down sorghum going into China, uh, simply put. So that uh, that effect and that impact is going to be felt immediately, I would think. Uh, yes, and then, you know, when we completely shut off trade to the country, we've got to find other places, um, you know, other consumers for that grain. Fortunately, uh, we have other countries uh, around the world that would like to import our sorghum. Uh, you know, China has simply has taken um, a lion's share of the grain out of the market on, on the global uh, marketplace. So there are other countries that will want to import our grain also domestically. Um, you know, we see the ethanol industry stepping up and, and buying bushels. Yeah, that's been a, a big help. So you're watching closely. We just talked in our last segment with Todd Neely with DTN about the, the impact of Japan opening up to U.S. ethanol. That's something that will help uh, sorghum growers. Sure, every every little bit helps. Um, you know, we, we look forward to uh, um, seeing some of our grain get channeled into ethanol, and, and we've got some uh, exciting things. Um, hopefully we can have a sorghum oil pathway passed soon, and that will help out our, our friends in the ethanol business uh, even more. We're talking with Dan Atkinson, Legislative Committee Chair for the National Sorghum Producers. Dan, we keep hearing President Trump say and Secretary Purdue say that the administration will take care of farmers, will take care of producers that are hurt by trade tensions, a trade dispute with China. Have you heard of any details or anything in particular when it comes to sorghum growers? I think at this moment it's, it's, it's all speculation, and there's lots of, there's lots of ideas flying around. Um, of course, we have boots on the ground in Washington right now uh, meeting with those folks. Um, once again, it, it's still still all talk at this point. Uh, I think it's safe to say that sorghum farmers would much rather have a, a good price at the farm gate um, rather than any kind of government assistance. Yeah, that uh, that is something we hear over and over, that uh, farmers want their income from the market and not from uh, government uh, subsidies or programs. Uh, so we'll wait and see how that plays out. It seems, Dan, that's, <laughs> that's, that's complicated to figure out who is harmed uh, the most or who would get what or how you determine uh, when it comes down to each individual producer. Uh, uh, that seems to be a rather difficult uh, <laughs> a formula to, to work out. Yeah, and that's, that's absolutely the case. Um, you know, it, it's going to be hard to make everyone happy in a process like that. Uh, so once again, uh, we, we, you know, we're open to, to discussing ideas with USDA and the administration. Um, but we just think it'd be more fruitful to, to get back into trading with uh, one of our big trade partners in China. When something like this uh, duty is put in place by China, do you hear from the administration? Do you hear any any word or you get any advance notice on that or any word of what uh, the next step might be? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's where um, sorghum producers are lucky to have such a strong organization like the National Sorghum Producers. Um, you know, we have boots on the ground in Washington um, that uh, that keep their ear to the ground so that we can be abreast of the situation, and not only abreast of the situation, but also be actively engaged in the situation. So um, the, the White House administration has been very helpful and has been very, 
and we've had a very open line of communication with them since since the beginning of the investigation. Well, of course, today the markup is underway for the farm bill in the House Agriculture Committee. How do the national sorghum producers? Uh, how do you feel about uh, this farm bill proposal? Uh, we feel like the House version of the bill is a, is a strong and a, and a good bill. Um, most of the things that sorghum producers were asking for, most of the things that our sorghum farmers were asking us uh, to lobby for, uh, got put into the bill. So there's a few measures, uh, conservation-wise, that uh, that are going to be a big change for us out here uh, in sorghum country. But uh, I think overall the bill is a very positive step. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, uh, conservation is a big part of this, uh, more CRP acres. Um what are your concerns with the conservation aspects of the bill? Uh, the CRP is definitely uh, one of the things that we were very tuned into and, 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 and were engaged in the conversation. Uh, you know, when, when CRP acres go up, it's a very direct correlation that we see sorghum acres fall. So, um, you know, here in western Kansas and Panhandle, Oklahoma, and Texas, um, you know, the sorghum belt per se, um, that's where we see a lot of those acres can flip-flop back and forth between CRP and, and wheat and sorghum. So um, also within the sorghum community, sorghum farmers um, adopted the CSP program very strongly. Um, so according to the, the new, this new draft of the Farm Bill on the House side, um, that program would be rolled into um, the EQIP program. Many of the provisions will stay the same, except the program in name itself will go away. So we're still, still looking at the details of that. Um, I, I do think it is a positive step. We just need to hash out all the details. Implementation will be key. Yep, it's always in the details. All right, Dan, thank you very much uh, for being with us, and we'll uh, watch closely not only that farm bill, but what happens with this trade situation with China. Thank you for the update. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Dan Atkinson, Legislative Committee Chair for the National Sorghum Producers. So they are getting hit. You know, when, when people say, well, a lot of this talk about China's you know about things that could happen well some of it is happening we know it's happening with pork it's happening with ethanol happening now with uh, sorghum a lot of these commodities being uh, negatively impacted by the trade tensions between the u.s and china right now okay coming up next farmers continue to work on nutrient management this is a huge issue a huge challenge uh, facing agriculture now and moving forward. What are growers doing around the country? Well, they're doing quite a bit, and that data is starting to come in, be collected, and uh, we'll, we'll try to paint that picture for you with that information with the uh, Illinois Corn Growers Nutrient Loss Manager, Travis Deppie, will be joining us next here on AOA. Also stay tuned because a little later in the program, we'll get an update on the fires in Oklahoma, the need out there, and ways that you can help. All that coming up on Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit? Doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce? It just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. 
Antonio H. told us, great company. Got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain and soybean futures bouncing on this Wednesday. Chart signals suggesting to some traders that perhaps prices have some room to head higher. That's prompting some short-term buying interest, according to the Wire Talk. Corn was able to find some light buying interest in the overnight session. July did crack the 20-day moving average support level on Tuesday. That's a bearish short-term trend signal. The contract hitting minor support at 388 and three quarters. Below there, bearish targets lie at 380 and a half, then 377 and a half. An hour into the trading day, July corn up two and a quarter at 391 and a half. New crop December up two at 408. Soybeans, July, down a half cent, 1056 and three quarters. November new crop up two at 1047 and a quarter. For the wheats, we are topside. Chicago, July up seven at 488 and a half, nine and a fraction higher in Kansas City, two to four and a fraction better in Minneapolis spring wheat with the new crop September hovering around 629 and a half, up three and a fraction. Livestock at the Merck, cattle futures rising ahead of the online Fed Cattle Exchange auction on Wednesday morning. April live cattle up 70 cents at 118.75. Last week, cattle for near-term delivery traded at 117 per hundredweight with those prices rising outside the auction as the week wore on. In feeder cattle, May contract up 37 at 140.62. Lane hog futures trending 80 to 92 cents higher in the nearbys. June up 92 at 77.65. Cash call higher on this Wednesday. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is down 25. May crude oil in New York up $1.30 a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Uh, Markup day in the House Ag Committee on the Farm Bill. We'll have a lot on this uh, coming up on tomorrow's show. A lot of different uh, perspectives and analysis. But we've been talking about how there's been this uh, lack of uh, communication between Chairman Conaway and Ranking Member Peterson. They haven't been speaking on this. 
And um, Colin Peterson telling us just the other day, you know, it had been four weeks since he had talked to Chairman Peterson, uh, uh, Chairman uh, Conaway, I should say. Interesting quote today from Ranking Member Colin Peterson. He said, we did not walk away from negotiations. We were pushed away. So, uh, again, that's the backdrop to the, the markup of this bill, the tensions between Republicans and Democrats over the nutrition title. We'll see how this plays out. Political theater, for sure, going on right now. By the way, I'll be in Washington, D.C. next week, next Monday and Tuesday with uh, broadcasts uh, from our nation's capital. We'll talk about a lot of these issues with different folks in our nation's capital next week, so hope you'll join us for that. We talk a lot about the importance of nutrient management. It's a huge issue facing agriculture now and into the future. And um, there are a lot of good programs, a lot of good voluntary efforts going on in various parts of the country that farmers are involved in. Uh, trying to bring all that uh, information together, though, and, and paint the picture and show uh, everyone what agriculture is doing on a voluntary basis. Well, that's a challenge, but it's a challenge uh, underway right now. Joining us is Travis Deppie. He's the Illinois Corn Growers Association Nutrient Loss Manager. Travis, thanks for joining us here on Adams on Agriculture. Hey, good morning. I appreciate you having me on. As I said, a lot of farmers in a lot of states are working on this issue. Uh, I know you're involved now in trying to bring that information together, kind of a coordinated uh, uh, program here to let folks know what's going on and, and what uh, what needs to be done moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that I want to bring to the public's attention is the nutrient loss reduction strategy in a biennial report that came out last August that coincided with the Farm Progress Show. Um, And it's really showing that the growers in Illinois are aware of this issue. Um, And according to the statistics that the EPA had had posted, 70% of our farmers know about this issue and are aware of conservation practices. And, And to build on that, since 2011 and 2015, when the NLRS was uh, initially um, released, we have seen uh, approximately a 2x increase in acres adopted, such as wetlands, cover crops, buffers, and um, practices such as that. So yeah, I mean, there are uh, a number of acres that are being um, converted to these types of systems, and our growers are making a lot of steps towards adopting um, practices that are more conservation-oriented and are benefiting our um, environment uh, relative to this report. So a lot of great news coming out of uh, Illinois agriculture. And Travis, it is important for a state like Illinois and these other states uh, that are working on this to bring, bring all this information together because you have to be able to show that what farmers are doing is making a difference, is making an impact because uh, there's you know, two schools of thought here. It can either be handled this way voluntarily, or there's going to be the heavy hand of uh, regulation come down and and force farmers. A lot of mandatory type of approach. So that's why it's so important to coordinate this information and show what's being done and the positive impact that the work is having. Yeah, absolutely. And and the key word there is voluntary. And and from this report, you can see that. Uh, those voluntary steps are being taken by farmers, and they are uh, making cognizant steps to address this issue. And um, the regulatory concern is something that's 
on the forefront of every farmer's mind, and it's something that uh, we, from a corn grower's perspective, think about daily, and it's something that, uh, that I work on on an everyday basis, and um, it's important that we um, make the public aware of some of these reports that are coming out and uh, letting them know that growers in our state are making the correct decisions on those acres to, to improve water quality and, and other aspects related to the environment. Well, 11 corn grower associations met uh, uh, recently in St. Louis to discuss these ongoing efforts. Uh, your state of Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Minnesota, Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Virginia. Uh, there's so much f- focus right now. I mean, farmers are really under the microscope, uh, Travis. Uh, a lot of people watching what's coming out of those fields, what's going into our rivers and streams and water supplies. Yeah, absolutely, and and that was an excellent meeting, and really the theme of the day there was collaboration and idea sharing. We talked a lot about this issue. We talked a lot about some of the discussions that are going on in D.C. Um, As far as regulation is concerned, I know that's been less of a concern with this administration, but it's still always a concern um, from a state level. And some of the things we talked about are a lot of the projects that we have going on at the state level, what's working, what's not working, what are some opportunities for improvement, and how do we get these acres covered with some more of these conservation practices that we discussed, and uh, how do we get growers excited about doing that, um, especially uh, when we consider the, the thin agricultural margins that we are faced with today, it's even more difficult. Um, so that's why we, we meet to discuss some of these programs that have been successful. And um, I think through that collaboration, we've been able to make a lot of great strides in that area. Talking with Travis Deppi, Illinois Corn Growers Association Nutrient Loss Manager. All right, Travis, you just hit on a key area. Big picture, a farmer can see, yeah, we need to take these steps. We need to change some practices to do things uh, to protect the groundwater and so we can keep farming into the future. Short term, smaller picture is uh, a farmer's faced face with low commodity prices, tight financial situation, and saying, how do I implement these things now when I may not have the money to do it? So that's the challenge. Yeah, absolutely, that's a challenge. So from a, a corn growers organization perspective, some of the programs that we have in place are helping to address that concern, and one that I want to bring to the public's attention is a program called Precision Conservation Management. And this is an economic tool that we have developed in conjunction with a number of partners. And essentially this is uh, developing aggregated data relative to all of these practices. So it's um, really trying to develop a data set relative to practices such as reduced tillage, cover crops, um, reduced in-application rates, so utilizing the four R's. Um, things like that, so we can really get this information across the countryside and, and throughout our state, um, because um, uh, delivering this information is extremely critical. It's it's one thing to do the research, but it's another thing to get it out and uh, really drive adoption. You mentioned cover crops, and as I talk to farmers about cover crops, I I have. I hear some of them are in it 100%, and they are the biggest supporters of it and uh, can tell you all the benefits. Then I talk to other farmers that are skeptical. They say, I don't know. I've got questions. I have doubts. I'm not sure that's for me. I don't know if that'll work. I've heard some things that, that trouble me. So 
two very different schools of thought here, so there's some education that still needs to be done. Absolutely, yeah, and and we have programs in place to help those who are a little hesitant to pick up cover crops and and run with it. Um, We have a lot of first-time cover crop programs um, that we offer for our membership um, in in partnership with BEX um, is our primary one, and this is working with a terminal cover crop, so something that's that's low risk. Um, It really just gives the, the grower an opportunity to test out cover crops and, and see how this works on their acre because really you have to line up your cover crop needs with the farmer's objectives. So it's not something that you can just pick up and run with and say I'm going to use X species. It really needs to be derived from that farmer's operation relative to his needs. Travis, how is satellite technology helping in this, uh, in this effort? Yeah, yep, that's an excellent question, and it's an excellent tool. Um, We have a a number of satellite imagery projects that we have worked on in conjunction with partners, and it's really helping us to identify key watersheds, um, priority areas that we uh, need to focus on, and it really highlights areas where our growers have been doing exceptional. So um, that's one of the benefits is that we can really highlight some of the practices that growers are already doing within watersheds that – uh, have a lower loss rate, which is exceptional because then we can identify the practices that they're using, we can recognize those farmers, and it's really just a win-win for everybody in that situation. Seems like, Travis, you got two, two, two challenges here. One, um, to show that these efforts make a difference, and I think you can do that, but two, you have to be able to show you can get enough farmers involved uh, to really make an impact. And so that's part of your challenge, right, to get more farmers involved in these efforts? Absolutely, yes. So that's one of the things we're trying to address with that uh, precision conservation management platform. Currently we have uh, 120,000 acres enrolled and uh, approximately 130 farmers. So we've really picked up a lot of steam with that program, and we're trying to really develop aggregated data and around some of these practices so we're hoping that uh, with that tool in place that's one thing that illinois corn can do specifically to help drive that adoption well travis uh, there's a good story to be told here and as i know you're gathering the information to help tell it even better but uh, certainly want to get the word out that farmers are taking this uh, nutrient uh, management issue seriously and steps are being taken to address it thank you for being with us for the update i sure do appreciate it thank you Take care. Travis Deppi, Illinois Corn Growers Association Nutrient Loss Manager. All right, coming up next, this very serious situation in Oklahoma. Large wildfires burning thousands and thousands of acres. There's a lot of damage and a lot of need there. And we're going to talk with the Director of Communications for the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association about the situation on the ground in Oklahoma, what the needs are, and how you can help. That's coming up next. Stay with us. This is AOA. Adams on Agriculture. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. 
Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache. Or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. with a 10-year warranty. And you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to MyPillow.com and at checkout, use promo code FARM11. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. The Mighty Prosoro king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. 
The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. They are airing out their differences on the Farm Bill and the House Ag Committee markup. Ranking member Colin Peterson saying lots more issues than just SNAP to the uh, Farm Bill. And he says we've lost the bipartisan nature of the Farm Bill process and we are turning friends into enemies. So... The uh, the debate continues. It's expected probably to get the you know the markup to be done today, and then on to the house. Big question though: Will they have enough votes there? So, you know, this on a day when we mourn the loss of uh, former First Lady Barbara Bush, and just she impressed so many people with uh, her sincerity and you know straight, plain talk and. We, we need people like her <laughs> to work on these issues. And that approach, uh, uh, we get a lot, I think, a lot more done. But uh, we certainly, our, our country will miss her. She uh, had a great, uh, great impact on a lot of people. And um, she... we have a very serious situation going on in Oklahoma. Large wildfires uh, just burning thousands and thousands of acres. Joining us now for an update is Chansey Hansen. She's Director of Communications for the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Chansey, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, obviously, the situation is still ongoing. The fires are still going. Acres are being damaged. A lot of uh, folks uh, losing uh, so much. Uh, can, you, can you give us an update? What's the latest that you're hearing there? Well, <clears throat> the acreage numbers are um, well over 320 acres, or excuse me, 320,000 acres, and that's um, on the the large, large fires that are are making national news. I know there's been some small, smaller fires here and there that have been put out, uh, thankfully. So uh, I know that a lot of producers have have lost homes, have lost cattle, uh, fencing, grass, obviously hay and um, maybe other structures and other things too so it it is a very bad situation in the western oklahoma where those those fires are going on it'll take a long time to assess all the damage and a long time for folks to recover uh, because these losses are so great but i know uh, a lot of people are helping and and want to help now one i understand one of the big needs right now is hay is that is that right yes sir a big huge need is hay um some of those producers were able to save cattle. Um, like I said, they left less hay in their grass, so those cattle need something to sustain themselves, and hay is the best way to do that right now. Um, if folks are interested in donating hay, there is a kind of a command center set up they can call in to and coordinate those hay donations. That way they, they know exactly where to send them to because they, they know who needs hay 
and where it needs to be delivered. So uh, one of those phone numbers is 405-496-9329. If um, there's a couple other additional phone numbers that they can call, and those can be found at okcattlemen.org. Okcattlemen.org. Because a lot of people may not have a, a pen or pencil and paper handy to write down the phone number, so uh, we'll we'll repeat that uh, that uh, information again here before we are done. All right. So not everyone obviously has hay to donate, uh, but may want to make uh, a, a financial contribution to help out. Can uh, they send a check money to uh, to any particular place to help out? Of course, um, the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Foundation, which is the charitable arm of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, we've set up a fire relief fund. 100% of those, the donations sent to that fund will be distributed to the ranchers here in Oklahoma that have been affected by those wildfires. And they can also donate at okcattlemen.org. Um, and if they would rather not donate online, there's an address there where they can send a check. And any amount will be uh, appreciated and certainly uh, needed uh, to help out because there's going to be so, as we've seen in these situations in the past, Chancy, uh, there there are so many needs, and uh, uh, it's important that uh, uh, when people make the contributions, they they understand that all this is going to go to help those people in need, right? It's not going to go for for bureaucracy or administration. It's going to go to actually help the people in need. No, sir. Um, we've actually had wildfires the last couple years here in Oklahoma unfortunately. Um, and so um, we've launched the relief fund both of those years, and I think people have gained trust in the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Foundation knowing that we um, will distribute that money 90 days of when the fire is out and um, that it's going to ranchers who really need it, every bit of the money that is donated. Yeah, this is going to be a long-term recovery, and the need will be there for some time. So let's go back and go over this information again. For those who would like to donate hay to the uh, producers in Oklahoma affected by these fires, how do they go about that? Well, first off, if you have a computer, the best way to do it is visit okcattlemen.org. There is a list of three numbers there that they can call. I'll give you one right now, 405 Four nine six nine three two nine, and if you want to make monetary donations to that Oklahoma Cattlemen's Foundation Fire Relief Fund, visit okcattlemen.org, or you and also at that website you can find an address to mail checks to if you would rather do it that way. All right, the need is great. Uh, the fires continue, and uh, we'll continue to monitor that situation and, and keep folks updated. But uh, wanted to let people know how they can help because we know that there's always a, a big outpouring of support. Uh, people care and want to help, so we wanted to get that information out. Chancy, thanks for being with us and giving us that information we need. Thank you. Thank you for having us, and thank you for, for supporting the cattlemen at our need here in Oklahoma. Very good. Thank you. Jancy Hansen, Director of Communications for the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. So over 300,000 acres uh, already burned and damaged, and uh, the fires continue there uh, in Oklahoma. So 
keep those folks uh, in our prayers, but also if you can help either with hay or a contribution, it would be greatly uh, appreciated and very much needed. All right, we're going to wrap it up for today, but tomorrow we're going to kind of go over this uh, markup in the House Ag Committee that's going on today. We'll have a lot of different folks with their perspectives and views, folks that are uh, involved in it, folks that are covering it, and we'll get that information coming up uh, on tomorrow's program. So we'll see how that plays out in the House Ag Committee and keep you up to date on these other stories as well. Thanks for being with us today on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone. Mm-hmm.